Melons, a podcast for the dyslexic community. We're your hosts. That's Drew. Hi, I'm Drew, a fellow dyslexic. I am very excited to be here with you guys to share my experiences as well as learning more about dyslexia myself. This is my sister, Reed. Hi, I'm Reed. I'm kind of the person behind this little passion project, the one spending hours researching and feeling like an utter gremlin in the dark. Drew and I are learning a ton along the way during this little project of ours and are really looking forward to sharing our information with you. So let's get straight to it. So what is the purpose of this podcast? What are we trying to accomplish here? Uh, Three things I would say. We want to end the stigma of the label of dyslexia. We want to slay the myths that so many people get wrong. And we want to build a community where people like us are able to have an open conversation about about our diagnosis and about living with this and to give a face to something that seems like a mystery to so many people. There is so much misinformation out there. It is really hard to have a full and open discussion about dyslexia. Even dyslexics don't fully understand the way our brain works. Which is honestly really interesting because global studies show that one in 10 people have this diagnosis, and studies based in the U.S. have that being as high as one in five. So it's like it's 10 to 20 percent of our population with dyslexia. I mean, it's the most common learning disability diagnosed to children. It's it's not a rarity, <laughs> but yet we have all of this misinformation, exactly, as these things that we can't even start a conversation talking about because we first have to say, whoa, 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 that's not even true to begin with. I mean, like, what's the most common stuff you hear about dyslexia? Um, oh, God. Okay, so, okay, so the one that comes into my head, the very first one that comes into my head is obviously seeing letters backwards, which, yeah. I, look, don't get me wrong. I still, to this day, sometimes have trouble with my lowercase b's and my lowercase d's. I even have trouble with my lowercase p's and my lowercase q's. But that's purely because those letters are similar. It's not because I'm seeing letters backwards. I don't see my h's backwards. I don't see my capital F's backwards or or anything like that. Yeah, or reading them backwards. It's also like not reading left from right either. It's, which is just so interesting because, I mean, a lot of children start out with that anyways when they're learning English. They write things backwards. It's it's a real common thing. So. Oh yeah, it's a very common in kids like when they're first learning how to how to read and write. I think that's uh partially like the, what feeds into that issue of the also. Uh, very misinformed mindset that you're able to grow out of dyslexia is because people are like, oh, I used to spell that way when I was younger. Well, yeah, it's because a ton of people spell that way when they're first learning a language, but it's the fact that it continues on with dyslexia. That's that's the difference here. Mm-hmm. And it is, like you said, it is a different way of processing. You're never going to grow out of it. Yeah. yeah, which we will talk about uh, more later. Okay, so let's dive into our main topic for this podcast. Uh, What is dyslexia? But um, I guess we first really have to sidestep and talk about neurodiversity since that is what dyslexia is categorized as. 
Um, so what is neurodiversity? Well, neurodiversity is a term that is being used instead of disability, disorder, or even mental illness. Those terms tend to have a negative connotation and these neurodiversities aren't negative. They're just different ways that brains work and process information. We're not broken. We're just different. <laughs> just different. Uh, so it's uh, attemptively taking away that, you know, that stigma of, you know, having us be some sort of problem when um, a lot of people actually have this this variant. As we talked about earlier, uh, the population of dyslexia can be as high as 20% in our community. So that's pretty amazing that we're just now in mm -hmm. 2020 trying to start talking about these things as normal variations. In, it's actually mildly sad. <laughs> oh, totally, yes. A couple of other those diagnoses that can go under, um, or diagnoses, diagnoses, diagnosi, so like octopi. Diagnoses sounds right to me. Sure. Well, anyways. But I'm dyslexic. <laughs> I know. Are we hearing it correctly? Let's find out. Um, some of the other things that can be categorized as a neurodiversity besides dyslexia is uh, also dyscalculia, dysgraphia, ADHD the autism spectrum, bipolar disorder. I mean, the list does continue, so you can go and look those up. It's um, basically anything that is a neurobiological, so it's based in your brain, variant. Okay, so now that we have neurodiversity uh, defined, and we can move past that, because you are going to hear that term multiple times yes. throughout this podcast, um, let's define dyslexia. So what is dyslexia? Well... Dyslexia. Separate that to dis, which basically means difficulty, and lexia, which means words. So difficult words. I mean, it's not really, you know, inventive, is it? <laughs> no. It's it's Latin, isn't uh, it? Greek, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Oh, Greek. Greek. Um something. So with that, uh, normally would start talking about the medical definition for dyslexia, but uh, I really don't like them. You know, um, I don't feel like they are true to what dyslexia actually is. So how about we talk about what dyslexia actually is and via that we'll start building a different definition. As a community. Dyslexia, <laughs> dyslexia, yes, is difficulty with your words. But it's a lot more than that. It's a physical, and I'm going to repeat that, it's a physical difference in the brain. So if you take a um, scan of somebody with dyslexia, um, if you take a brain scan of them, their brain is processing information differently than somebody that does not have dyslexia. It's like it's visible. And if you take a child that had or has, sorry, has dyslexia like me and put them through the reading program to learn how to decode and be able to be a reader like I was, my brain scan would still show up as dyslexic. I would just have like a therapy process to get around it, if that makes sense. My brain is still dyslexic. I am never not dyslexic. I always have dyslexia. It's a different way of processing. It's not just to do with reading. No, yeah, it's the way you process the entire world, the way you bring... um 
the way memories work, mm-hmm. the way you problem solve. The way you approach things. The way you, I, um, yeah. I was going to say react to situations, yeah. approach things, sim- very similar. Yeah. It all is encompassed in the way your brain is processing information. And dyslexics do it differently than someone who isn't dyslexic. Dyslexics do it differently than someone who's on the... Um, the spectrum, right? That's the spectrum. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was trying to think of the right word. Yeah, yeah on the spectrum. So... Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of funny that we use that term, the spectrum for um, autism, and people immediately know that you're talking about autism, right? Mm-hmm. But all of these neurodiversities are spectrums. <laughs> Dyslexia is also a huge variant as well. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, like, even in our family, I mean, so me and Reed come from a family of five, and four out of the five of us children have dyslexia. Um but it affects all of us relatively differently. No, that, that's a great example, actually. Um, so both Drew and I are, um, we have dyslexia and um, dyscalculia. Uh, so we both, we are, you know, we're horrible at reading and we're uh, pretty poopy at math oh, as well. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just all like, you know, just get the fuzzy end of the lollipop. <laughs> but um, our other siblings, our other two siblings with dyslexia, don't have that. And they are just human calculators and it's not a problem for them um, the way it is for us. So that's amazing. Oh, yeah. They they have issues with reading like us, but they can do math in their head. Like, my mom used to like to take her sister, Kyle, she's the oldest of us, um, shopping with her, and they were doing sales. I remember this as a kid. And they'd be going past tracks, and it will say, like, this is 35% off. And then my mom would look at the price, turn to Kyle, and go, all right, so how much is that? <laughs> Yeah, because Kyle could just do it in her head faster just than Mom real could. Real fast, yeah, real um, fast. Uh, so with that, you also um, brought up a really good thing that I am going to um, expand on about memory, and that dyslexic's memory is actually being affected a lot in what's happening. Uh, it's called our working memory. So that's the memory that you are using as you are making memories, if that makes sense. So if you have an overactive working memory, you tend to have deja vu. Um, And if you have an underactive working memory, you tend to have issues with retention about what's happening in the moment. So dyslexia and the dyslexic mind actually has a a major issue with that working memory. And a lot of people get it confused with your short-term memory, and it's not. It's that working memory, that ability to make a a log, a file cabinet as it's happening. So that's actually, um, it's a good thing you brought that up earlier. Um, And that leads us into talking about, because that's like one of the major issues with dyslexia that is why we have such a big issue with uh, standard rote learning, the repetition learning that schools do. I mean, like, it is not set up for dyslexics, right? Oh, gosh, no. Uh-uh. It's it's like, uh, just remember it. Just remember it. With what working memory, woman? With what memory? <laughs> well, like, I, I know I learn auditorily and everything. Like, I can take information. I can learn it. But, yeah, sitting there learning from a lecture and then it's like, well, is one of the worst ways for me to learn, honestly. Yeah, you've got to have you've got to have more than just somebody droning on at you. You've got to, and that's what we're going to talk about is multi-sensory forms of learning. Um, because the dyslexic mind processes differently, 
that doesn't mean that we process things uh, wrong or bad that it, or that it's a misused or misworking mind. It just means that we're doing it differently. So that we are able to learn. And if we are taught properly, you know, like like I was, I, I am a working, capable, reading dyslexic, even though beforehand I was a non-reader. Um, and it has been no mystery at all how to teach dyslexia. It's just been almost like politicized into not being able to do it. It has to be a conversation about why we should be teaching dyslexics correctly and not a conversation about how to, even though we've been, we've known how to do it for like 30 years. Well, that's part of the reason. I mean, that part of the reason, that's a major reason why I'm doing this is as a, um, uh, a child who went through the normal education system, I went through public school. So yeah, so actually, just to give a little more clarification here, me and my oldest sister um, were both went through public school and it was it was horrible. Teachers don't understand dyslexia because it's it, I mean, there's so much disinformation out there. I mean, that's why we're doing this is trying to yeah. help even um, special ed teachers. Yeah, even special ed teachers. It's it's a very um it's it's hard to get down to the nuts and bolts of it. And teachers who I know, they're already overworked. They have too many kids in their classrooms as it is. And then here are these kids who learn differently than everybody else. And it, it's very difficult. So um, Reed and Nate uh, were actually, uh, they were the two youngest. That's our brother. Our brother, yeah. They're just under me, both of them. They got sent to Norman Howard, which is a school specifically for um, people with dyslexia and um, other neurodiversities. Yeah, and that that uh, school is found in Rochester, New York. So their education and reading level is actually different than mine because um, I didn't get the same therapy that they that they got. And um, I want to make sure that all kids might you know get that therapy. So they can be more fun. Let's talk about that for a okay. second. Like your your therapy, Drew. What was what was that? Like what what was your reading therapy? Oh my goodness. Okay, so I'm going back quite a few years on this to remember. Mm -hmm. But um up until the point of like was it sixth grade, that's when they stopped doing spelling spelling tests. Um I mean, the teachers tried. They tried, but the, it, it's a lot of um, pushing you through the, the grades. Yeah, just pushing you through. Like, here's okay. Here's for a dyslexic. At least for me, that's hard. Every week we got a spelling list, and then you had to learn how to spell those words on that spelling list for that week. And then next week they gave you a whole yeah, new set of words to, to learn. Now, even if I could learn all of the words to spell for that week. I was going to forget all of them while learning the next set. And that that's not helpful to learning how to how, how to read because the repetition for me wasn't there. And then all the other kids are getting it because they don't need as much repetition as me. And then they're moving on. And then the teachers are just like, why I don't know what to do with you. You're not moving along with the rest of the kids. Well, here, let's put you off in this other room where you can be with other kids who are also moving a bit slower but they just still teach you the same way. You just get smaller words that you're taught that you have to learn that week. Yeah, which doesn't actually... You still taught it the same way. Like, it doesn't address yeah. the processing difference at all. 
you're not it doesn't address the processing difference you're just kind of yeah. like tucked away and a lot of times you're put into those those sped classes with kids that aren't uh doing as academically uh well or or slower but the issue is is that a lot of the times it's like and i don't want to like be rude here but dyslexia has nothing to do with your ability to learn because you are able to learn it's just a different way of doing it and it has nothing to do with your intelligence so being stuck no. in a special ed class mm-hmm. where sometimes you're put in with people that have a much lower IQ and yes. you're just kind of like you're all lumped together like you're this not so- I don't want to I don't I know that like public schools are they're trying their hardest and they don't really know what to do with people like us um which like I said is amazing because we've known how to teach dyslexics um so they they just kind of like say because you're moving slower you must be like this you must be more incapable you must be slower yeah it's i know that's really easy to see somebody struggling to read especially when i mean you learned that maybe when you were three right but those struggles don't mean less capable and that is something that we're really trying to um uh, to get across is that that is not that's not a thing guys (laughs) uh yeah no um so in fact, we can be much more capable in other areas yeah, that than, than you'd think. Um, and and so with that, the whole idea that like this is the process that Drew went through. She went through this public school process that uh, millions of kids go through. Oh, and then I mean, just to go on, just to go on to go go further than that though too. Like once once you hit sixth grade and you're moving on to seventh grade, you're no longer getting reading classes because at this you point it out. you like should be able fault. to read. So then after that, they give you an aid to read for you and to write for you. and Which poses its own issue. I'm sorry. The aids... It, does, well, it really poses its own issue, especially because when you're writing, when someone's writing for you and you're dictating to that person... I've noticed so many times that my voice would start to, not on purpose, but strangled by the well-meaning intentions of the person writing for me because they say it differently. They have their own writing voice. Yeah, so that's the issue. Um, So once you get past the getting your reading therapy in sixth grade and they stop that and now you're going into seventh grade in high school um, and you're given a scribe instead, the scribe is going to take down, like if we're sat in the same lecture we're going to take down different notes right so that scribe's going to take down different notes and then along with that you are putting a child with a a scribe and that social interaction with the other kids and that being in the classroom that is something that follows you that is part of the stigma that that some person has to do these things for you and that makes it harder for you to be yourself in a classroom and it comes with a whole bunch of other baggage along with that too which i'm sure we'll talk about later yeah. So we can see the the issues that we have here with Drew where it was just kind of like uh, almost they don't know what to do with her. They just kind of push her through the grades and they keep her in the special ed classes until there's no longer special ed classes. And then they give her a scribe and kind of like that's how you have to go through life. You never learn how to read. And I was sent to um, a school that was based for dyslexic children um, dyslexics and ADHD is actually, uh, they use the Wilson reading program and they use the Edmark program. And I think another one, um, and these programs are administered while we are, um, in school, like during school hours. And it continues on until you, like you graduate high school, even if you need, um, I graduated the Wilson reading program in 10th grade. So I 
instead of having a study hall, had a reading class where I went and did this immersive tutoring every day for years. And that's how I was able to read. And that is not something that's really hard to do, honestly. Um, it's taking like like that kid's study hall and, and, and turning into their reading class. Um, so it is amazing that like there's this, this stark difference because there is a proper way of teaching dyslexic kids. And there is a a way of being able to implement it in schools. It's just really hard to have a conversation about restructuring schools and classrooms. And then we have to start having that conversation about what's equal and what's what's fair. I would pose the question or the, the, the mindset of fairness is not making things um, equal across the board. You know, it's not it's not it's not a uh, tit for tat. Fairness is giving everybody the help they need to succeed. That is what fairness well, is. It's sort of like um, this is the analogy that's coming into my head right now. Um, if you know, if a school had a whole bunch of kids, and then they had one kid who needed a wheelchair, so they needed to make a ramp. They're not going to say, well, we can't make the ramp for the kid with the wheelchair because all the other kids don't need it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's exactly that. It's the same thing like giving a dyslexic student the help that they need and the right teaching platforms is is not a leg up. It's giving that student a leg to stand on. It's not a third leg to use. It's giving them one that they do not have to begin with. So that's amazing to me that people still... Uh, are st- it's just part of the stigma. It's part of the misinformation, and that, that's that's all why we're here and talking about it. Yeah. Um. So with that, let's talk about. I mean, we're dyslexic and we're siblings, and two of our other siblings are dyslexic. So I wonder why that is. It's genetic. Maybe. What? <laughs> I don't. Is it? Okay. So studies show that if I'm dyslexic. And I pop out a kid. That kid has a 50% chance of being dyslexic. Now, if I pop out two kids and one of them is dyslexic and that other one we don't know just yet, 75% chance. 75% because I already have a kid that's dyslexic and I'm dyslexic that that next one, dyslexic. <sighs> Which is so funny. And just so you guys, you know, out there wondering, our father is dyslexic. So... That's... Uh, mom is too. Well, or so she thinks. She doesn't. She thinks she's dyscalculia. So that's where we get that shit from. That's that's where we get well, that I mean, stuff from. At least the neuro, yeah, more neurodiversity. I don't care if you say shit. Um, yeah. So our dad's dyslexic, and it's from his side of the family. We're pretty sure. Um, he's also ADHD. because uh, just you know, dyslexia. Uh, a lot of the times does get co-diagnosed with other things like ADHD. Um, for example, I'm ADHD. <laughs> um, pretty sure Drew is too. She just hasn't gotten the proper diagnosis for it yet. Um, our brother is. Yeah, our brother is ADHD. Though boys normally get diagnosed for ADHD um, more than girls do. There's, and I'm going to be a little bit biased here and say that I think that that is a uh, gender issue. Gender normative issue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, where girls are, they get overlooked because it is prevalent, like it manifests in them in the way of being a daydreamer in school, right? So like it's the airhead girl. She's most likely ADHD, right? The one that can't focus, that can't, 
can't pay attention. Yeah. And that she gets lost in her own world. She doesn't realize that everyone's leaving. Yeah. Yeah. So, so keep that into, um, in mind. Which is one of the reasons I definitely yeah. think that I am, like, getting out of my own head, especially in school, was very hard. Um, always living yeah. in my own little well, world. Dyslexia, I will also point out, um, does come with the the um, ability or, or... We have the same thing, almost, where we get very stuck in our own imagination. Um, but it's not as uh, attention deficit-y, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, so in a modern world, dyslexia actually has a place. It definitely does. Our world is very technology heavy and information heavy. And the lateral way that dyslexics naturally think is very beneficial. It helps with creativity and advancements in these areas. Yeah, exactly. And, and to like have a little bit of a point here, um, there is a advocacy group um, called Made by Dyslexia. They're based out of Australia. Um, They actually partnered with Ernst & Young and did a report. Uh, It's called, give me a hot second, The Value of Dyslexia, Dyslexic Strengths, and the Changing World of Work. So this report um, is looking at the skills needed in the future and the skills that dyslexic processing um, kind of gives us, uh, the abilities. And just, you know, not all dyslexics get all of the abilities all the same. It's not like a magic thing. Like, we know this. It's all a spectrum. So just oh, keep that in mind. it's a spectrum. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they actually used some reporting from um, the World Economic Forum. Um, that research was done on the changing skills on employment maps and the use of AI. So using that, um, they use, they produced this report and they found that a lot of the skills needed in the future, especially with how much technology is being used and the way the dyslexic mind processes, it, it directly overlaps. It's, it's almost like, um, it's a untapped market for employers to be looking at, <laughs> I would say. Um, and it's just, it's. It's the future. It is. So boiled down, uh, roughly 20% of our population is dyslexic. It's not a matter of incapability, but a difference in processing. It's uh, physical on the brain. It affects more than just reading. It has no effect on intelligence, guys. No effect at all. It's genetic. <laughs> I mean, you can thank your parents and your grandparents for that little brain of yours. <laughs> um this brain also gives us useful abilities, and those with it can be taught how to read. So, this is the issue that we're posing. This is the question. This is this is the big and all do all. Uh, it's why a big ball of why, right? Yes, exactly. Why? Why is there a stigma? Why is it so difficult to change the education system so that we help all children succeed? Why are these children called lazy just because they process differently than other children in their class? Why aren't they being taught to feed into the way that they think and process so they become the most successful that they can be? Why is no one talking about it? Why have I only met a handful of dyslexics as an adult? Why are we shamed into thinking we should have grown out of it when it's physically impossible? Why are we made to hide? And why? In a modern world, 
Are we stuck in the dark ages? Where different means broken. Why is it fix it, not feed it? Why is it fix the way your brain naturally processes rather than working with the way your brain naturally processes? So here we are podcasting into the void, hoping to help someone feel less isolated, hoping to educate those on this diversity of ours. This podcast comes from looking around and realizing if we don't talk about it, who will? And if not now, when? There have been generations of dyslexics before us, and there will be generations after. Let's not fail our following generations. Let's take our blinders off and realize how big and diverse the world, your community, your family really is. Later on, we'll go over the physical differences that we can see on the brain. We'll talk about the importance of early diagnosis, early signs, our experiences because they differ. They do differ. And the emotional impact that dyslexia can have. We'll also talk about those well-meaning but very unhelpful things that people say. Um, We'll talk about co-diagnoses as well and a lot more. Thanks for listening. We are a community and we hope to have broadened someone's world. Please leave us a review and follow us if you've liked what you've heard. As always, suggest us to anyone in your life that might benefit. Uh, Fellow dyslexics, educators, your cranky neighbor. It's really up to your imagination. You can find us on Instagram at melons.podcast. Please write in with any of your own experiences or any insight you might have as we dive into more topics. Remember, we're all human. We all struggle. And we all deserve to be cultivated. Till the next time, Melons. Be different. Be kind.